Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning and challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. When my kids were born, I experienced, noticed a phenomenon that happens when people encounter newborn babies. They attempt to decide who the baby looks like, mom or dad. When Joseph was born, people would say he looks just like his father. He, had, he was born with jet black hair, dark brown eyes, and tanned skin. Even like the day he was born, he was tan. But then they would ask, well, wait, who has a dimple? My mom has a dimple. Corey, on the other hand, was met with declarations of, she looks just like her mommy. Her hair was a lighter brown, and she had blue eyes and a rosy pink complexion. Even now, people seeing Corey for the first time will exclaim, she is a mini Heidi. Russ and I look a little bit different. So we always joked that we really could end up with anything for children. But some parents are, look similar, and so you might not be certain who the child looks like until they get older. My friend Becky's little boy was like this. Charlie had brown hair and brown eyes just like both of his parents, and his nose looked a little bit like Becky's, but then again, it was also similar to her husband Joe's nose. Who knows who the kid looked like? But one thing is for sure, Charlie will end up looking like his parents. But looks aren't the only way that children resemble their parents. They also have mannerisms and habits and personality traits that come from their parents. Russ always said that he wanted a little girl just like me. And that's what he got. A little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, stubborn little girl. 
I'm sure it wouldn't take you very long at all to think of several ways that your children resemble you or that you resemble your parents. I know that when I laugh sometimes, I catch myself looking around wondering, well, where, where is Marilyn? Because I sound exactly like my mother. We resemble our parents because they formed us to be who we are today, not only through genetics, but also their teaching and their guidance help shape, shape our morals and our values and, and the way that we look at the world. Similarly, then, we can also resemble others who have had a big impact on us. Joseph went through a phase where he, when we asked him a question, his reply wouldn't just simply be, no. It would be, no, that would be awful. And the first time he did it, I looked at Russ and I thought, I asked, where did he get that from? And then we went over to Russ's parents' house and Russ's mom, Peg, said, oh no, that would be awful. And I knew exactly where Joseph had gotten it. Even before Jesus was born, he was formed by his parent, God, into the king of kings, the type of king that God knew that we needed. In the gospel stories, we see the angel tell Mary, his mother, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. After Jesus' birth, men from the east came asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, we see it hearkening back to words of the prophet. Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. And then when Jesus died on the cross, Pontius Pilate placed over Jesus' head an inscription in three languages, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Today's scripture is a hymn of praise, honoring Jesus and describing the type of king Jesus was and is. These types of litanies, these piling on of, of ascriptions and attributes of praise on an individual would have been used only in one other instance in that in that time period, in the praise of earthly kings or in the emperor of Rome. So simply by singing this hymn, a hymn that the people of Colossia were probably already very familiar with, they were declaring the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus. So it was a dangerous song to sing in the wrong places because it subverted the Roman Empire and it declared someone else king. Singing this song could have gotten people killed, along with their families and anyone else who would sing it with them. But they sang it anyway, because they believed that Christ really was the king, the ruler of their lives, and from whom there would be eternal peace and healing. They knew that Jesus was the king that they needed. Now, I'm going to read um, this morning's scripture from the message, and I think it's important to hear the original, the original scripture, um, or as much as we can understand the original scripture, as, as Mike read for us this morning. 
but also it's good to sometimes read from the message to help us sometimes comprehend what's being said. The message paraphrase begins, God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much, the son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and we see God's original purpose for everything created for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him, in Christ, and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up until this moment. And when it comes to the church, Christ organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and the dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and put together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Jesus, King Jesus, got us out of the pit of sin and despair. He saved us from the dark dungeon, even after our mistakes, rather than placing us in the dungeon when we make them. In Jesus, in King Jesus, we see God, and we see God's original purpose for everything that God created. Remember, in the first creation account, it says each day after God created, God declared, it is good. In Jesus, things can and will be good again. We also see in today's scripture that in Jesus' reign, all things hold together in him. Not just an earthly empire that spans part of the globe, but all things, here and everywhere. And they are held together because of who Christ is. Not through armies and and stationed soldiers and attempts to unify and, and regulate life like earthly emperors. But things are held together simply because of who Christ is. Jesus, in Jesus, we find our purpose for our lives simply because Jesus oversees all of it. Jesus holds us together and everything finds its proper place in him with nothing being crowded after being fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross. Jesus wasn't and, and isn't king in order to glorify himself. Jesus is king in order to reconcile us to God. That's why Jesus is king. Emperors built cults. Jesus built and an international and even a cosmic community with the fullness of God. And he didn't do it simply for himself or his own tribe, but for for all people, inviting all people and making a way for everyone, everywhere, to enter into fullness 
of life with the Creator God. Jesus was and is the King of truth and love. He didn't come to bring an earthly kingdom that could be destroyed, but rather he brought us an eternal kingdom in heaven. Jesus was the king that those people needed, and he is the king that we need here and now. To say that that someone or something is our king, it means that they have authority over our lives. In one way or another, the kings dictate how we act and what we believe. We are shaped by who or what rules over us, just like when we were children and our parents ruled over us. There are countless things and people who try to rule our lives. You know the list. Materialism, perfection, success, money, popular culture, and the people that it deems important. Our peers, our parents, and our families all try to rule over us. The list goes on and on. Joseph, my son, is at that age where he is trying to fit in with his peers. I thought we had a few more years, but we didn't. We all go through that phase, often many times throughout our lives, where we, we want to fit in. We want to find that, that right crowd. So, so many of our evenings now are filled with conversations about qualities that he sees in his peers and and whether he wants to behave like that and what types of people he wants to surround himself with. And the conversation always comes back to the same point each night. He has the choice of the person that he is going to become, the qualities that he's going to emulate, who he's going to look like, and who he's going to allow to rule over him. That's a choice that we each have. It's our choice to follow Christ and to allow that decision to transform the way we live our lives. Because when we allow Christ into our lives, we are a new creation. We are no longer defined by all of those things that we did before Christ. Now we are defined by our relationship with Christ. We're called to emulate him and his qualities of his life so many years ago his compassion, the love and the care that he showed others, searching for the lost and the lonely and bringing them into the fold, pointing with his entire life to the one and true God. When we allow Christ to reign over our lives, we don't have to live by the the rules of the world anymore. We don't have to live in that scarcity mentality where we're constantly competing, trying to make sure that we have enough. We can know that with Christ, there is always enough. We don't have to look at others and see the differences in them as wrong or a threat to who we are. We can see them as a child of God, just as we are a child of God. We don't have to be ruled by fear anymore, but we can live in confident hope for what is to come. When we surrender to Christ, we find our identity and we find our being. When we bow to Christ the King, we stand taller and stronger than any other time with any other allegiance. God knew the King that we needed. That's why God gave us Jesus. 
one evening I was frustrated with myself over something I'd forgotten to do. It was obviously very important because I can't remember what it was. But as I was sitting there, mad at myself, little Corey, five-year-old Corey, walks up to me and says, Mommy, it's okay to make mistakes. <sighs> because that's something that Russ and I have said to her multiple times as she has made mistakes in her young life. She was listening, and she's learning, and she was sharing with me what she had learned. When people look at you, who do they see? Who do you want them to see? I hope and I pray that it's Jesus. Let's pray. Creator God, we are so thankful for the king that you have given us in Jesus. And we pray that again today he might reign over our lives, that when people look at us, they see him. They see his love and his compassion and his hope and his peace and forgiveness and grace, all of those gifts that he has given us. That they see those things and all other things, all worldly things fade away. God, help us to live into that new reality, the new reality of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And help us to be partners with you in bringing that here now and forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.